Let's turn to Isaiah 61. You, you know, for those of you that are legitimately here, you know, that shouldn't be somewhere else, I'm very pleased that you're here. Because it does look a little bit thin on the ground when everybody else is out, doesn't it? If you weren't here, it wouldn't be the same. Huh? Uh, I, I don't care what people say. I, I, I don't think you're too bad. Yeah, it's good to be together in the presence of God. Uh, we are uh, walking through the things that God is saying to us, which is a pattern that we've followed for, for many years. Happily, it seems clearer than ever. Um, it seems God speaks and brings it to pass. It's like the, the time between those two things seems to be getting shorter. It becomes more immediate. Uh, that causes us to have a greater level of expectation, uh, new levels of excitement. And I sense that uh, uh, in the coming days, as we look at this broad place and pick up what God is doing, what God is saying, uh, so that we're, we can be part of it, part of it from the point of view, not just knowing stuff, but actually experiencing it. Um, lots of stuff God's talking to us about freedom. That would be very nice to hear, but it's an awful lot better to experience. And yet it's not just about what I'm going to loosely call eliminating the negative, removing obstacles. It's also about populating or moving in to all that he's, he's promised. And this morning I want to take a little bit of time to, to look at, um, maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure about where we, where we go next week. I've got an idea, but I'm not settled on that. But it feels to me that there have been a number of times when God's been given opportunity to kind of uh, deal with, uh, cut off. Remember we talked about um, things of treaties, about standing up and, and uh, the chains falling off. It feels that there's been an emphasis on that, and I think that probably is still where we are. But I kind of feel that we're, we're, we're moving also into additional things, uh, which look uh, to be just as wonderful uh, and possibly even more exciting. So um, I'm going to talk to you for a bit and lay out some things, and then I'm hoping that we could kind of engage together a bit. And what, what, would really, what I'd really like is uh, we're going to talk about aspects of freedom that you would share talk to us about your experience of freedom in a particular area or in the totality of life, that it would be something that we could um, apply and in applying it uh, testify because we've re rediscovered that as we speak about what God's doing, as we declare it, it's like it has a, a, a prophetic element. Uh, so that we can actually jump in and say, me too, Lord. 
that kind of thing. Do it again, Lord. Uh, and that's what I'd like for us to do today. And it kind of uh, depends, uh, no pressure, but it depends on you. Mm. Just help me. When he says you, he means you. Not you. <laughs> Could you just help me a minute? Yeah. Just sort of find somebody who's looking fairly blank. There's quite a lot of choice. Uh, and, and say, <laughs> I think he's asking you to join in. All right. Isaiah 61. I guess, uh, I guess not many of us uh, have actually been in prison. Um, and probably those of us that have been in prison might not be too keen to talk about it. So I understand that. Uh, but what I do want us to understand is that there is prison as in the physical sense and there's, a, there's prison in terms of uh, a particular restriction and bondage. Um, let me use Alan again, because he's always willing for that. As far as I know, he's not ever actually been in prison. No, no, no. He <laughs> says... When you're talking about, I've been married all these years. No, that's not the right response. <laughs> but if ever anybody in a dramatic and visible sense was in prison, Alan was in prison. He was in prison because of what was happening and the limitations and this horrific agoraphobia that he had. He was in prison. And most of us can identify with areas that have held us in restriction. May have been, I don't know, we may call it shyness, we might call it shame, we may call it um, uh, a circumstance which has caused us to feel intimidated or restricted. Maybe things that happened to us when we were young, uh, that had a, an ongoing effect, somehow never quite got cleared out and resolved. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, and here's the bit, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Remember that this is something, again, that our Lord picked up and clearly was the, the, the manifestation of that in a very real way. And it rings true right through to this very day. His purpose was to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim, oh yes, to proclaim freedom. 
It's the same proclamation as when he said, he's standing outside the tomb of Lazarus and he says, come forth. It has the same power. He proclaims, not just a talking about it, but a speaking to it with such power that it brings it to pass and release from darkness for the prisoners. And that's what I want us to just take a little time on this morning. Prisoners of different areas. I mean, when we go through the, some of the stories in the Bible, we see the story of uh, Saul, who was then latterly named Paul. He was a prisoner. He was a prisoner of religion. That's a strange thing. But it's possible to be a prisoner of religion, to be so caught in um, formula or ideas that somehow you're excluded from the truth. I hate religion. I hate all religions. I don't think there's any value in any religion. Religion is about our attempts to get to God or to get on the right side of God. It undermines the very thing that God did for us, for us through Christ. There's no value in religion. Trying to do things. Trying to do things says, actually, we don't really trust in what God has done through Jesus. We don't really accept the fullness of what he's provided for us. We are going to try and make it ourselves alongside anything else. Paul was a prisoner of religion. It sometimes looks very good. Sometimes looks, uh, this is somebody very um, notable, very upstanding member of the community. But if it's religion, it's still sin. We can be prisoners of past experience. Things we still kind of dogless. That relationship that went wrong. That offence that we committed that we've never really ask forgiveness or never really forgiven ourselves even if we've been forgiven by others. That thing that was very wrong that was done to us just can't seem to get freed up from that. The events of life which have formed different Ideas and prejudice and reactions kind of dogged by it. Can be a prisoner of our present circumstances. I was amazed. I I used to read various autobiographies and things like that of people that were uh, Christians that were uh, imprisoned for their faith. And how they would speak of being in a prison and yet 
being free. It always amazed me. I thought, that's the reality. When you can experience something which, is, which takes you beyond the present circumstance, takes you into something very, very real. And people that have a freedom when apparently they don't have a freedom. There's something powerful uh, in the outworking of the supernatural power of God where they're no longer bound by the circumstances of life. You know, you've met people and you think, man, how can they be so, so positive when all these things are stacked against them? And you've also met other people and you think, why are they so jolly miserable when they've got so much going for them? See, we have to understand that it's not just about the circumstances. It's a place that God has got for us which goes beyond that and above that. can be a prisoner of our own self. Oh, if only I was like so-and-so. If only... I could be like someone else. If only I could have thick, wavy hair. <laughs> my wife, I think it was before she was my wife, thought about that for me once. Replied to one of these adverts for uh, hair pieces and things like that. <laughs> The problem was, the salesman turned up at the door. <laughs> I, I was slightly thinning. I mean, it wasn't. Oh, if only I could be someone else. She wanted someone with it. She said, I'm marrying a bald man. I mean, the hours I spent sticking hair back on, you know, just to make sure I could last out to the wedding day. I had a great, great quote the other day, you can't be someone else, they're already taken. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) All right, well, this is all about other people. Uh, Hmm. Well, yeah, let's have a look at Galatians Chapter 3, verse 22. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. Hmm. So that that which was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Truth of the matter is, we're all in that place uh, until that point when God wonderfully sets us free. Can you think of anything that God set you free from? Can you think of the the time and the experience when you met with God and instead of being a prisoner of sin, you were set free through what Jesus had done? And what I'm suggesting is that we might take a little time to hear that from you. It may be a specific thing. Maybe being set free 
from something that was restrictive, either internally or physically, or to celebrate the time of being taken from being a prisoner of sin and all that that entails, being under the, the pressure of, of peers, relationships. And I look back and I can remember when God released me to be what he'd called me to be. And I repented. I lost a lot of the bondage. And you know what the bondage was? It looked very good. The bondage was some of the friends that I had. Lost a lot of them. Not all, but lost a lot. Because that was part living to their level, to their standard, to what they wanted, to stay in with them and to lead them was contrary to submitting to God himself, God having his way. It was a very... On the outside, it was kind of a, a strange and difficult time, but on the inside, oh man, to know that freedom and to know that I'd, on the one hand, lost all the, the, the kudos and popularity of being a, a leader amongst guys and yet to know that experience of meeting with God and being, being right with God. Ah, that was a freedom. So we've been looking at how these things happen. I'll just refer you for a moment to um, the story of Job, Job 42. Um, you remember that God restored to him twice what he had before. Uh, and it, it happened uh, when he prayed for his friends. Instead of being, being angry, instead of resenting, and all those other things, he forgave and he gave thanks. And just two absolutely key and essential things, and we've been learning it all over again over the recent months, this issue of, of, of the gateway, the key of thankfulness. And of course we recognise that everything in God starts with what I call the big R, that repentance, that turning away from what I want or what I feel or how I would do it or what I think is right and actually turning to what he says and what he wants and submitting to him. Repentance and forgiveness are very, very key, uh, important uh, releases for moving into what God has got for us. And, of course, as we're forgiven... Uh, we're encouraged by God to give away that which we've received. What have we received? Forgiveness. Um, we never fully receive that unless we actually are prepared to forgive. Another very, very key thing. So he forgives us as we forgive those who trespass against us. You can't have it outside of that. Well, I think I'd just like to have his forgiveness, but I'm blowed if I'm going to forgive uh, this person or that person. Yeah, uh, I'm afraid you, we don't get to lay out the terms. The terms are laid out by him. Yeah, it's conditional. 
You receive that forgiveness as you are willing and ready and actually forgiving others. If you retain that, then you can't enjoy God's forgiveness. Well, I don't think that's fair. Yeah, well, you know, I didn't make the rules. So you need to, need to place your complaint at a higher level. It's called God. Yeah. yeah. Thinking about Job, you know, this, um, after about four chapters of bemoaning the whole situation, there's a bit where God says, you think you'd like to take over and do a better job? And uh, I don't think Job decided that was a good idea. So let's have a little think for a moment about a way out of prison, then we'll look at a story. Way out of prison. See, in the kingdom of God, things are kind of different. Who would think that the way out of prison is to become a prisoner? Who would think? I mean, it's, you'd never work this out, would you? You'd never come up with this. I want to get free, so I'm going to become a prisoner. I want to uh, know what it is to walk without any limitations, without any bondage, without any baggage, without stuff kind of being dragged along. Everywhere I go, I'm dragging some weight with me. I'm dragging some past issue. I'm, I'm dragging some limitation in my own character. The way to do it is to become a prisoner. And we see this. Um, let's look at this in Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 3. And it, it, it comes a number of times. Um, it's a, a phrase that's constantly used. Uh, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner, not of the Romans, not of the religious, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You see, how often will you use that phrase, the way up is down? How often do we look and say that the way that we uh, receive is we give? And I think here is a, a, the most fundamental example that he gives up. There's a giving up of self-determination, of self-rule, of self-positioning in favour of becoming a submitted prisoner, if you like, slave for Christ. I give up my freedom. I give up my authority. I give up my position in favour of coming into that place so that I am as a prisoner of Christ. Prisoner. And of course Paul uses that term constantly throughout the scripture. Giving up self-rule. It's a very interesting little verse I just refer you to for a moment in Second Peter chapter 2 that basically lays out that we actually become a slave or a prisoner to whatever we 
allow to master us. So if we give way to something in the world in which we live, you find uh, uh, often people are struggling with things like um, jealousy or or external things like pornography or something like that. And what the Bible is saying is that as we give ourselves, we become, whatever we give ourselves to, we become slaves to and mastered to. Now, I think there's a much better place that as we give ourselves to Christ, as we yield our will, which essentially every time you say, I don't want to do this, or I don't like doing this, or I'm not going to do this, or I don't think this way, I look this way, to actually just stop for a moment and say, yeah, but what does he want? What does he say? What is his will? Because the moment we choose to go his way, we know that he promises to enable us to do that. So whatever... Um, we give ourselves to, we become slaves to, or mastered by. So let's have a little look at uh, stories that we've been looking at um, in, uh, in Joshua. Interesting, and remember the reason we're using this uh, is because the the things that God set in his word, the, the stories, the accounts, uh, the things that happened so many years ago, he has ordained that he would use these things in order to instruct us in the now and present. And so uh, that's why it's important that we turn to that, that we turn constantly to the word of God in order to pick up and hear the things that he's saying to us at this point in time. So, Joshua chapter 6. Now, this is verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Well, that's a pretty good example of of a prison. Um, It was completely locked down. There was no way in, there was no way out. It was completely, completely fixed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. So there's the very clear position that it's locked up tight. Every sense... Whatever you heard, whatever you saw, said this thing is, this is an impenetrable barrier. And the problem, of course, in going into the land was that Jericho was was the first place. They, They couldn't move in, they couldn't go on without dealing with Jericho. It was a major obstacle. It was a, a limitation to the, to the forward movement of God's purpose. Whatever God had purposed, whatever he'd laid out, there had to be a dealing with Jericho in order to possess that. 
Does that ring a bell? If we're going to have the fullness of what God has for us, we have to deal with our Jerichos. That thing which is locked up tight. That thing which seems impenetrable. That thing which kind of, bless my soul, it just raises its head again. It has to be dealt with. That we enjoy that freedom. I want, as we look at this, to use it in the purpose that God has for us. And that is that as we go through and look and see what God does, there's an impartation from the Word of God of faith in our hearts. Remember we looked again a few weeks ago at that scripture, that as they were looking, as they were speaking, as the Word was coming forth, so the Holy Spirit ministered amongst them. They had God's Word. I have delivered Jericho into your hands. This thing is to be dealt with. And of course then they had to do some things which... Um, well, let's just have a little look at it. Um, you've got to put yourselves into this for a minute because it's totally bizarre, you know? It's just weird. March around the city once with all the armed men... Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing trumpets. I mean, what are you going to be thinking? Are these walls going to fall down because the trumpet sounds? Wow. Well, I mean, the trumpet can make a good noise, but, you know, to remove very solidly built walls, well, there's all sorts of, ah, I don't know that that can, what's the point? When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So it's what Joshua did. He'd take up the Ark of the Covenant, told the priests, carry trumpets in front of it, ordered the people to advance, march around the city, armed guard going ahead with the Ark of the Lord. So off they went. I guess day one's not so bad. Day two. <laughs> not a lot of action here, guys. Day three. Oh, I'm getting a bit tired of this. I don't see any crumbling of any walls of Jericho. Day five. What the heck are we about? Surely there must be another way. Uh, I can't see how this is ever going to work. 
Jericho is still locked up tight. I am sure, because these are people just as we are, that all those contrary voices that would seek to deflect people from what God is saying were there, just as they are nowadays. And of course, it went even more bizarre on the seventh day. But they did what they were told to do. And they blew the trumpets and they shouted. And and by the way, they had to keep quiet until he spoke. Uh, I like verse 12. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priest took up the ark. It kind of got that feel as though, you know what? If we're going to do this, we might as well do it wholeheartedly. We might as well give ourselves to it. And off they went, and of course, um, they shouted, For the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. And of course, many of you know the story. The walls crumbled. They went in and took possession of it and destroyed everything according to to what God has said. But there was another little thing that I want us just to look at for a moment in this. Because before that, and in fact in verse 22, uh, you get to this, and Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, here's a particular action for you. And here's an amazing thing. Talk about taking seriously what God says. And in Joshua chapter 2, let's just go back to that for a moment. This is where he sent um, the spies. Go and look over the land, especially Jericho. And so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Strange, isn't it? I mean, what, a, what a bizarre thing to do. Uh, was that the only place they could go? Actually, yes, because that was the place that God had them to go. See, the point we're getting at here is we're never going to get this on a, on a basis of logical um, argument, logical progression... Or what seems appropriate and reasonable? Fancy that. We sent them to spy out the land. They've gone. Not only have they gone to visit a prostitute, they're staying there. Oh, they've lost their way. We sent them for one thing. They're about something else. Hmm. In order to increasingly move in the purpose of God, the supernatural purpose of God, we don't have to go out of our way to do bizarre things, but we have to be willing to do things which don't immediately seem comfortable or logical or reasonable if God says to do it. 
Will we always get it right? No. Well, you might. My experience hasn't been always to get it right. Hmm. The person who never made a mistake never made anything. Hmm? God can seem to cope with that. He wants people who are prepared to step out. Yeah. He seemed to like Peter. Peter sort of rushed off in the wrong direction as often as he rushed off in the right direction. Yeah. But that, that responsiveness, that action, that willingness to, to kind of step in and take a chance. And so, yeah, they went and uh, King of Jericho was told that they were there. And he sent a message, uh, bring out these men. And the woman had hidden them up on the roof under some um, flax of corn. And uh, then said, no, no, no. When they came for them, she said, no, they're gone. And then she let them down. Um, A house was built kind of into the city wall. And there was a, like a window that she could let them down right out of the, the, the city wall. And that's what she did. Um, but in the course of it, here's the interesting thing. Because God had told Joshua to do that. And in the course of that, through the prostitute, he picked up, and the spies, he picked up, certain information which positioned and conditioned their expectation. In other words, what they receive by way of foreknowledge, we often call it a prophetic word or a word of knowledge, is part of God's conditioning to position us, not in terms of position us uh, physically around the walls, but position us in terms of our expectation or our faith for what God is going to do. In fact, the Bible says God does nothing in that he first actually reveals it to his servants, the prophets. That's why we take the prophetic words so, so um, vital and so important. That's why we don't operate on the basis of a constitutional program in that respect. But we're guided and directed by what God says. People say to me around the network, uh, so uh, when are we, we going to do a conference next year? I don't know. We don't have a plan. We don't work it like that. We work on the basis of what is God particularly giving at a given time. And that's the way we operate. And that's the way we should operate. I want us to see at this time the importance of of tuning in to what God is saying. They picked up information. The information they picked up, actually their hearts are melting them for fear because they've heard about what God's been doing on your behalf and crossing the river without drowning and, I mean, all this stuff. That's what they'd heard, but they didn't know that until the spies found it out from Rahab, the importance of the prophetic. And, of course, as we said, she assisted and, and helped them. And uh, they struck a deal uh, with her. Our lives for your lives, verse 14. Uh, if you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. Uh, there were conditions. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Um, the oath that you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and brothers and all your family into the house, they, they won't, anybody outside the house is not going to survive. Blood will be, their blood will be on your own head. So there were conditions. And the important thing to remember was when they came back, they spoke to Joshua and they said this. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Here they are, they've gone as spies, stayed in the house of a prostitute, escaped because she hid them, and then they're let down by a rope out of the wall, uh, out the window. Uh, it doesn't sound a most secure journey to me. Then they have to go off and hide in the hills for two or three days until the enemy's gone the other way. It, it feels as though they have just about scraped through. It feels like, you know, phew, by the skin of their teeth, they, they came out of this thing. It was really, really tight. And this is what they report to Joshua. The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. And all the people are melting in fear because of us. See, they had the experience and they had the... I mean, you know, you're kind of close to, to death at that point. They're coming to find you. You're getting hidden on the roof. Uh, and then you have to go and hide in the hills and so on and so forth. And yet they came back with this overriding thing which wasn't actually based simply upon the experience that they'd had but upon the things that they knew that God had said. And they'd struck this deal. And of course, as we were just looking in chapter 6, Joshua remembers that and sends them uh, to care for and rescue and look after uh, Rahab and all her household. Joshua... Um, in Joshua we read that Jericho was was locked up tight. It was a difficult place. It was something that was a major obstacle. And yet, it was overcomable. And the way we overcome those things which are seemingly long-term or major or difficulty, difficult or become part of us is we choose to become prisoners of Christ. Now I hear somebody say, yeah, but I already did that. I already did that. I already have submitted and become a prisoner of Christ. Then what is the promise what is the promise that he gave us? And if we go back to what he said and what we read together at the beginning, this is what I've come for, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. 
I believe that we should take a moment of hearing in our spirit that proclamation, that word that sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Beyond all the other words, beyond all the other threats, beyond all the other considerations, beyond all the issues that would say this, this thing is unmovable, this is, uh, un- you can't do anything about it, that we should hear a word from God at this time. Now, are you ready to just contribute a little bit? Anybody ever been set free? Anybody ever experienced a freedom? Anybody know what it is to become a prisoner of Christ and see that release? I want us to come to prayer and I want to pray because there's specific people that uh, are hearing this who need not just to know about it but to experience it. And as I said at the beginning, I feel that that there's a timing issue here, a season issue, a timing issue in as much as, uh, in the same way as Jericho was an obstacle to, to moving into all that God had purposed. It feels to me as though we almost leave this now and move into something more of what his purpose which we're already seeing happen amongst us but part of the promise of God is nobody's left behind remember we looked at that this is for everybody nobody's excluded and I would really like that we having looked at this thing and seen we've under the goodness of God come at it from different directions cancelling treaties standing up and chains falling off and a number of other things and come to that point where that which seems to be holding is broken that's my desire that this day we see that thing and if you like to use that story again Jericho completely smashed, completely destroyed, so that there's a moving on into the land and in the purpose of God. Hmm? God ever set you free from anything? Has you yielded to him? Anybody want to tell us? Remember what we said at the beginning about you? It's crunch time. Anybody ever been set free? One, two, three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. That was the first question. The second question is, please speak to me. <laughs> that feels like a question, but it's like the Queen asking you to tea. You can't say no. Richard.
That's helpful, Richard, because that, it really is a great illustration of the very thing I'm talking about. We're not so much talking about the externals, we're talking about what God does for us and transforms us in the situation. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. Hello. Um, for me, it was realizing that God was with me, and when I got to know Jesus, mm. I didn't have that anymore, and I haven't felt it since. And I'm talking now a year and a couple of months, yeah. where every single day I wake up with a lightness. Yeah. And that hasn't ever come back, so despite of, everything still being tough. Yeah, the outside's yeah. not changed, but that instead of waking up with is, that awful yeah, thing... It's yeah, it's gone. Gone. Completely uh, gone. Uh, Heidi? Um, I had a real fear as a child, a fear of the dark. And when I was a child, God gave me a real key and something that I specifically prayed that really ministered to me. And then later as an adult, when I was experiencing a time of real gripping of fear, um, Daniel challenged me to remember, well, what, what was it that you prayed as a child? And as I prayed that, the fear was gone. Yeah. And the thing that God showed me was your fears as an adult are no bigger to me than the fear of the dark as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Andy? I used to uh, teach in Barking Dagenham and there was a child in a particular class, I still remember, who, I don't know, but you know the children who are sociopathic and he was a very, very unpleasant child. I can remember once actually walking to the classroom and praying that he would actually be away so I could do my job. And I took three steps... And God totally transformed my heart because instead of the fear of that boy controlling my life, Jesus gave me such a love for him that, I mean, this is when you said about Jesus being the master. Mm. Totally transformed me. He's yeah. still a horrible child. Yeah. But uh, yeah. he, actually, he actually got his GCSE science. <laughs> But, I mean, the thing was, again, it's just this thing of totally, we've already heard, totally being held a prisoner. Mm. And then God comes changing your attitude. And so when he became Lord, mm. it was... Excellent. All right. Great. Okay, so the whole purpose of what we're talking about is that thing, like Jericho, that seems to be locked up tight. We're going to give notice to, it has to go. And as we choose to submit to Christ, we find that he and he alone can change. Not necessarily the external, but certainly the internal. Let's just stand together a minute. Okay, guys, you know if God has been speaking to you during this time you also will know clearly 
because what would have come to mind was a particular thing or a particular situation uh, that you see as being an obstacle, uh, a hindrance, and you can't rationalise around it, but you're hearing God saying to you, this is the time to see this thing dealt with. Whether it's a fear, whether it's a situation where you need to be transformed in your ability to embrace it, something like Andy was just saying. This is not so much about changing circumstances, this is about changing us. So we're going to pray. And I want you to just to... If you, you're clearly seeing something, you know God's spoken to you, as we pray, just lift your hands to God as a surrender to him, saying, I, I choose my place as a prisoner of Christ, not as a prisoner of anything else. Let nothing be an obstacle before me. Let no Jericho stand in the way of the purpose of God. And in that very act, we're going to be now asking God to remove that. So, Lord, in the name which is above every name, we're inviting you right now to confirm your word with signs following. Lord, that as you've spoken to different ones about particular issues or obstacles or bondage or imprisonment, lack of freedom, whether it's circumstances or internal configuration, whether it's fear or anything else, we come against that now. And we use your word of proclamation. Lord, we recognize the power and strength in your word. We delight in your word. And we now use your word and say that you have said and we declare to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. In every situation, in every varied situation, as we stand before you in this place at this time, under your word, under your authority, choosing to yield to you, choosing to put our trust in you, choosing to tone aside from every logical argument or strength that comes from the background of circumstance we choose your strength. We choose your authority. We choose, Lord, at this time, that proclamation. Loose and let go. Loose and let go. Loose and let go. We come against anything that would dare to stand in that place that would restrict freedom and would cause bondage in the name of Jesus. We say, Lord, will you walk amongst us? Will you move amongst us? That this be a day of release for your people. This be a day of the outworking. That not just binding up the brokenhearted, but that you, Lord, by your word, would proclaim freedom in every area and release from the darkness of prisons for each one that stands before you and calls out to you at this time. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
in the name of Jesus.